have your attention, please. I'd like you to meet some very good friends of mine. Some girls with a lot of talent. The three jazzy bells. Okay, bells, ring out. <laughs> A doo dee doo doo doo, a doo dee doo doo, a silly old tune with a rhythm that's new. The words that mean nothing to me or to you. A doo dee doo doo doo, a doo dee doo doo, a right handed boogie that sounds rather blue. Suspects? Well, what happened here anyway? Larry's disappeared. Larry? Who's that? You see, Inspector, they've never even heard of him. I'll handle this if you don't mind. Where did you go after you left this house last night? Right straight home. Yeah, we didn't stop for anything. That's right, Inspector. You can check up on us. We've never been in any trouble before. Inspector, I don't think these kids are any more guilty than I am. You may be right. Well, in that case, we'll be going along. Well, it's been nice knowing you. If you need any help, please feel free to call on us. Wait a minute. There's just one more thing. How come the gatekeeper didn't see you leave the grounds last night? Oh, well, we left by the side gate, the one that leads to the cemetery. Sure, we would have gone out the regular way, but after that ghost came up and asked for a match to light his cigarette... Ghost? And it was so scary when he tipped his derby that... You saw a ghost? That's right. And in the derby. And you lit a cigarette for him? Yes. That does it. Everybody stays in this house. Hannigan, see nobody leaves. Curtin, come with me. Excuse me. This sounds awfully serious, Nan. It is. One of our guests, Larry Dearden, slept in the blue room last night. This morning he is gone. Where'd he go? A question like that, asked at the right moment, is liable to revolutionize the detective business. Hey, neighbor. How long has it been since you had yourself a big, hot, screaming ear full of forgotten horrors? <laughs> well, that's too long. Pull in close now for a crepuscular half hour or so of the Forgotten Horrors podcast with your hosts, John Woolley, Michael H. Price, and my own self, Wolf Brand Jack. Thank you, Michael H. Price and Wolf Brand Jack. Very glad to be back for another installment of the Forgotten Horrors podcast, uh, inspired by the Forgotten Horrors series of books that are available now, we must say, on Amazon.com. Or no, not Amazon. Yeah, Amazon.com, right? Is that right, Michael? Yeah, Amazon. That's right. Yeah. And uh, Michael Price, one of the originators, uh, one of the two originators with George Turner of the Forgotten Horrors books. I've been uh, honored and blessed to be able to collaborate on some of those as well, as well as on this podcast. And we also have with us our, our producer and engineer, Joey Hambrick. Joey? Thank you for being with us as well. Thank you. You're, yeah, you're really welcome. Now, <laughs> tonight, I've got to say, this is a film that I have become a thorough geek about. I've seen this film three or four times now in the past space of a month. Part of it was the COVID-19 staying at home and watching old B-movies on YouTube. But 
this film is a remake, first of all. It's a remake of uh, two films, originally Secret of the Blue Room, which was a 1933, 1933 picture from right. Universal. And then 1938 uh, remade it the first time as The Missing Guest. This, however, is the second remake, but it adds music and comedy. And it is just and one also, of the yeah. greatest pictures Excellent. I have ever seen. And it also does not uh, debunk the spooky business. There is unexplained supernatural yeah. stuff in this picture. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, no. Now, let's, let me go ahead. Joey always likes for us to get the synopsis set front, up front. Essentially, <laughs> what, what is involved here is uh, a man is opening up, a man and his wife are opening up a house that's been, uh, been shuttered for a very long time. A murder 20 years earlier had happened in an upstairs room of the house, which is called the Blue Room, and it and the murder was never solved or the killing was never solved. And uh, it became sort of a legendary haunted house. The, uh, the man that's opening it up is the stepfather of Anne Gwynn's character. Uh, Anne Gwynn's character is, uh, is, uh, had been a nightclub singer at one point, uh, kind of as a lark, but as a result of her being a nightclub singer, as they're having this festivities to open up the house, she brings in three of the friends that she had uh, on the nightclub circuit called the Jazzy Bells. Now, her name is Nan. Uh, she, was, she went by Queenie when she sang. Her name is Nan, and it's her stepfather and mother who are opening up the house. It was her father who was murdered in the Blue Room. Well, so uh, one of her suitors from a long time ago, who's played by Bill Williams in his first part, in fact, his first movie role, uh, Bill Williams was known then as Bill Mac Williams uh, for that yeah. first role. And uh, he, uh, he decides he's going to spend the night in the Blue Room, which has been open for 20 years. And uh, then he disappears. And I really don't want to spoil it. I mean, as goofy as it is, I don't want to spoil what, what happens after that. But that's, that's the setup. <laughs> and it is the Jazzy Bells are just one of the greatest musical teams that I've ever seen. Now this is a, this is a universal B picture. You know, they made so many B musicals, best pocket musicals. Uh, this yeah. is kind of one of those, isn't it? Really? Very much. So it keeps tradition with the mystery farce, which was mm -hmm. sort of the original film. Um, it also reflects that, um, long standing interest by Hollywood in uh, basically putting a group of endangered innocents in a confined space at the mercy of <laughs> uh, something that might be a phantom killer. Mm -hmm. uh, the, uh, this, the resemblance of the original film in 1933 to uh, a slightly earlier picture called The 13th Guest is, is very vivid. Uh, through the Universal's 1940s uh, paradigm, they had the brilliant conceit of making it a musical comedy on top of everything else. And what so, the yes? How did how has this film escaped the notice of the Universal Horror Classics compilers? 
Well, because there, I guess I maybe because it's a, not a monster in it. Maybe. I mean, um, I think it was part, was it not part of a shock theater or son of shock theater package showed up in the son of shock package. Mm-hmm. Of course, that was in 1957 and 58. Mm-hmm. Uh, no doubt. Uh, it's ripe for one of the new, uh, digital video collections such as universal has been putting out in recent years. And they've come up with some real obscurities, but this one is one of the most obscure and the most undeservedly obscure, um, if only because of <laughs> the, the non-horrific element, this, this trio called the Jazzy Bells. Right, which was an ad hoc trio. It was uh, put together from uh, uh, by, well, it consists of three of the uh, Universal uh, players, uh, yeah. under uh, who were under contract Universal at the time, Grace McDonald, Betty Keene, and June. Did you say her name, Pricer, Michael? June Pricer, yeah. Pricer is how you say that name. And uh, that's right. You know, Betty Keene is the uh, is the sister of Jane Keene. In fact, they had a sister act for a time. Jane Keene was the woman who played uh, Trixie. Uh, in, uh, Jackie in the honeymooners episodes that were on the old Jackie Gleason show in the sixties, the, the, she was basically sure. the second, the second Trixie, but uh, these, these girls, Grace McDonald, Betty Keene and June Pricer appeared in other universal pictures, musicals, mostly, uh, sometimes two of them would be in the same musical. Uh, they would appear in other musicals too. They appeared in Republic musicals. Some of them did and, and those sorts of things, but there was never another three jazzy bells and as i researched this i realized or i found out that the ritz brothers were supposed to have had that part it was supposed to have been a ritz brothers vehicle and a comedy yeah detective thing right like the gorilla or yeah some of the things the ritz brothers did and they were actually a a pretty fairly well-known um a comedy trio uh, in the forties and thirties and forties. Oh, they? they were, they were, they were brash. Uh, they didn't have the intellectualism of Evan Costello, if you can call it. Well, yeah, it is intellectual. <laughs> Word, okay. Wordplay is, cerebral wordplay is intellectual. It All didn't right. have the nihilistic weirdness of the three stooges, but right. uh, something to like about the Ritz brothers. They were brash and mm-hmm. overbearing and, uh, and they were great uh, insult comedians. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I uh, one of the I, I couldn't tell you offhand which film it was, but in one of the Ritz brothers' pictures, one of the boys complains that this crime wave is taking place. He says, "Right under my very nose." And one of the other Ritz brothers says, "Well, at least he's been able to work in the shade." <laughs> <laughs> Well, apparently, uh, from what I can uh, what I can glean from my research, the lines weren't changed all that much when the Ritz brothers left. Now, keep in mind, after um, this film, after they 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 were left this film, and I'm sure there's a story there somewhere, Michael. But they left this film, and they didn't make another feature until until Sam Sherman's Blazing Stewardesses in 1975. 21 years that's that's a that's really a major loss i know i know it's fashionable to uh uh, disparage the ritz brothers as an also ran team but they had Mm -hmm. their moments 
Well, they, uh, you know, they, the only thing that they did after they left uh, Murder in the Blue Room and the, and the girls came aboard, the Jazzy Bells, in the 50s, I think 56, they did a nine-minute Universal International short where they were appearing in a Las Vegas club, which, of course, is what they did once the movie career evaporated. They, they played a lot right. of club dates uh, throughout the 70s, I guess, from what I understand. And, uh, but uh, the, the, the Jazzy Bells, apparently, Betty Keene got most of Harry Ritz's lines in, the, in, in uh-huh. Murder in the Blue Room the lines were not changed all that much, which I find very strange and interesting. The beauty of that trio is that they're, they're what you would call Hollywood beauties. Uh, uh, the term used to be starlets, but they, they have this tomboy aspect and it strikes me as, you know, kind of like, kind of like Thelma Todd and Patsy Kelly. Um, not afraid of roughhousing, not afraid of raising their voices, and uh, not afraid of using their wiles to, uh, to get what they need from the uh, uh, fellows who turn out to be, uh, shall we say, not entirely heroic. <laughs> well, I wonder how much of that is that their lines were only slightly rewritten from a masculine trio? Probably so. The... Uh, uh, the presence of uh, uh, the presence of their foils, especially good old Ian Wolf. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, As man, the butler, they 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 play that they play that uh, image for all it's worth, and of course it turns out that they're more in charge of the mystery than in, than any law enforcement figure. And they're really the stars of the picture. Yeah, uh, and you know. <laughs> I, you look at some of the dialogue, like I say, unfortunately for me, I guess I've just become such a geek about the film to the point that I have gathered, collected through eBay, um, autographs of every one of the three Jazzy Bells. I, wow. it's a, it's a confession I know. And it's just, but I just, I just love the movie and I love the way that they work together. And of course, like I say, it was an ad hoc group. It never, never happened again. Uh, but they are, this was conceived, must've been conceived as a rich brother's vehicle, even though Anne Gwynn is certainly as usual, beautiful and, and very self-possessed and, and, uh, and does a great job in the, in the heroine role. The, the film really belongs to the three Jazzy Bells. Well, it's it's uh, in many ways it's a kind of a business as usual film for Universal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Anne Gwen never made an ordinary picture, and most of her pictures were extraordinary because of her being there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But, uh, no, it, it's 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 a it's a uh, um, it's it's a lovely comedy trio film that uh, bears rediscovering on several counts. I mean, if you yeah, the, the the admirers of the universal spookers will get plenty out of it, mm-hmm. especially in the element that doesn't come right out and debunk the haunting like most such pictures do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it has an atmosphere. Well, you know, Leslie Goodwin had, was was right in tune with that uh, with that uh, classic universal period. Classic universal. Actually, has two periods, uh, three if you count 
certain films of the 1950s. Mm-hmm. But uh, this is a second classic period uh, in which we, we saw some significant sequels to the 30s universals, uh, Ghost of Frankenstein, for example, mm-hmm. uh, new universal pictures uh, that traded on the uh, original Lemley universal pictures of the 1930s, such as Son of Dracula. Mm-hmm. And this has very much that same same vibe it does it absolutely does you're right you're right <laughs> and you know and, and Anne gwen i mean she's 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 iconic to the universal horror pictures yes uh, my favorite of those that she starred in is the mummy's curse oh yeah yeah now i'm a she mummy's go- i'm a mummy's ghost fan myself but i love ramsey uh-huh. ames so there you go well yeah but uh, any anything Anne gwen appears in is, is going to be worth catching and this one is especially so because she has such uh, capable scene stealing backup players she does she sure does boy think of all of the really good uh second string players in that you you mentioned ian wolf who plays the butler and then there's milton parsons who's that creepy driver that brings the uh, jazzy bells into the party and there's Regis Toomey as the head cop, and my gosh, they're just all over the place. John Lytell as her, as uh, yep. Anne Gwen's stepfather, you know? I mean, they're just, it's great. Donald Cook, who is not by any stretch of the imagination a classic leading man looking guy, you know? And yet there he oh, is. Oh, no, no, he's, he's brother's gangster face. Yeah, oh, he's got a gangster face. <laughs> he does have a gangster face. Yeah, that's right. and it's like, okay, yeah. And we should mention also that uh, this is the first screen credit I could find for IAL Diamond. Uh, is that your experience? Did you is did he do anything before that that you know of? Not to my knowledge. Uh, that's a figure you don't think of in connection with B movies. No, uh, you think of him in connection with Billy Wilder. Mm-hmm. Some like it hot. In connection yeah. with Jack. Yeah, exactly. Uh, mm-hmm. Certainly the uh, nineteen sixty comedy of manners uh, the apartment the apartment sure what you won an oscar for oh yeah mm-hmm. and but he uh, he appears to have he appears to have broken into hollywood via murder in the blue room and i love to see these figures revered by the cinema uh, <laughs> purists right uh, show up with origins in the uh, pictures a lot of the a lot of the old school critics wouldn't admit to seeing. Mm-hmm. No, they were beneath their contempt, weren't they? I mean, when they really get yeah, down to exactly. it, yeah, sure. Well, it's this is this has got some great great. Uh, it's got some great dialogue in it. I think uh, some yeah, very witty very dialogue mm-hmm. and brisk is right. That's exactly right. Well, it's kind of like the Maltese Falcon. It gets made three times. And the third time, it really works. Third time was the charm. That's exactly right. Well, I love this picture. This is one of my, this has become one of my all-time favorite pictures. And I would really, (laughs) really recommend it. I I know that maybe some people will uh, be, you know, those who are, who don't like supernatural elements to end up unexplained. Uh, well, may not like this, but if you just kind of go with the whole narrative flow, I mean, this is this is a good little picture. You're in and out of it in about an hour. You know, well, I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's it's aware of itself, mm-hmm. not 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 for any specific reason, 
but uh, the film reminds me of that Burt Gordon gem, How Do You Do? Oh, yes. One of our, one of our other favorites. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's like it, the, the feeling that anything happened to anybody at just about any second is our as our friend Joe Bob Briggs puts it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. And you can see this picture um, on YouTube and uh, it's, it's right there. It's, and it's really an hour of, uh, of grand entertainment. I really like this movie a lot. And I think that the folks, most of the folks who listen to this podcast will enjoy it as well. I'd like to think so anyway. Good. Michael, I'd also like to think that uh, that uh, people listening to the podcast would enjoy whatever it is you've got out there uh, this time around on Amazon. No time like the present to backtrack and hype our collaborative book on the beach party films. Yep. Uh, Fantasies in the Sand. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's mm-hmm. it's been out a little over a year, and uh, always and I keep I keep uh, reencountering the book in my own library and going back and said, boy, this is a good book. I wonder who wrote it. I said, oh, yeah, well, then I wrote it for ourselves. Yeah, it was us. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like, yeah, we, uh, the, the fulfillment of the old rule that, that a senior editor once told me early in the newspaper business, he said, if you write to please yourself, chances are good that a lot of other people will like it too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I've, honestly never been a great fan of the beach party pictures i find them amusing and entertaining and i'll go back and watch them once in a while but uh, to really dig down uh together and figure out what it is that makes these pictures work then and now uh, gives me a great deal of new insight mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of course that whole idea of researching researching the beach party phenomenon uh from a not a scholarly standpoint, not a fan standpoint, but a general movie buff standpoint mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. was basically a, a test of, a, of our own uh, standing rule about uh, taking a comedy franchise and then, as we say, just adding monsters. Mm-hmm. Just add monsters. Kick. I think mm-hmm. that was the pivot that, that launched the thing. And uh, then, of course, you had this great idea of uh, finding the parallels, and there are many, between uh, Aquanetta Davenport mm-hmm. and Annette Funicello. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's, it's, uh, the origins of the Beach Party film are deep and uh, <laughs> sometimes kind of scrofulous. Yeah, <laughs> scrofulous is a good word. That's right. I have to say also... Um, uh, I have started uh, doing my, my show Swing on This, which, uh, which airs uh, at 7 p.m. Tulsa time every Saturday night. You can pick it up on publicradiotulsa.com, anywhere in the world. Uh, I've started, uh, started doing new ones again after uh, having to lay out and do reruns for a couple of months because of the COVID thing. And um, I'm using a lot of Michael H. Price songs and discs in that show including one with jim boyd and his band that that your company cremo records put out uh yep. that ads for um a lot of a lot of biscuit ads in that disc which i find very amusing <laughs> what, can, well, what we lose 
we lose track of the uh, we lose track of the fact that a lot of uh, really good indigenous country blues whatever what have you music from the south was subsidized by baking goods companies. Oh yeah, yeah. You know that's where the light crust doughboys came. Well, hell, and then and then after that, Bob Bob Wills and uh, the Playboy Flower. Oh yeah, yeah, and and the and the Jim Boyd recordings uh, were done pretty much after Jim had gone out on his own running a band called the Men of the West. They had a major label recording contract at RCA, uh, which uh, Jim also had enjoyed in his brother Bill's band. Mm -hmm. But uh, while they were putting out these hot new platters on RCA Victor, they were right there at home, down home in Dallas, doing a weekly free admission radio show sponsored by Gladiola Flower. And, <laughs> and uh, my, some of my favorite moments of those broadcasts from Gladiola songs, which are, which are corny and uh, might even be called quite awful, but they're a lot of fun. Yes, they are a lot of fun, and I would really recommend that disc for anyone who enjoys, well, I guess classic country music and uh, Americana and uh, as well as Western Swing, which my show is uh, oh, yeah. is devoted to is Western Swing. I would also like to say that on July 4th, the final um, book in my horror trilogy I did with Robert A. Brown, uh, the Cleansing Trilogy, which, Michael, you uh, did some very nice flap copy for us. Appreciate that. Uh, oh, that will yeah. be coming out. The final one, uh, the final episode, the final book uh, in the trilogy will be coming out on July 4th, and we are taking advance orders on it, both on Kindle and other online or downloadable forms, as well as uh, paperbacks uh, right now. So you can go online to your favorite uh, your favorite book broker and uh, and order that if you'd like. And it's it wraps up the entire cleansing trilogy, which takes place in the 1930s in uh, in Arkansas and uh, uh, with a lot of witches and and uh, scary. Mm -hmm things in it so so yeah. I, I think that may be the plug uh the, that that's the uh the, the plug well, part of the program and do you have anything else oh uh, a further afterthought on uh, miss beer in the blue room the uh the signature song for those who love big band balladry mm -hmm. that uh, swing jazz pop idiom that, that flourished so so well there's a lovely picture of, of even Glenn Miller caliber called One Starry Night. Mm -hmm. He plays that song. Uh, turns out that's not Anne Gwynn singing. Who was it? It's our old favorite Martha Tilton. Was it the Lilton Martha Tilton? Yep. Yep. I, I'll be I just plug that in there because I wanted to hear you say the Lilton Martha <laughs> Tilton. <laughs> What is the one, and Michael, we're springing this on you sort of cold, too, but what's the, what's the film we're looking at for next time? I forgot. Yeah. Hollywood Horror House. Yes. Hollywood oh. Horror House with Miriam Hopkins. Good, good. And uh, so we're going to maybe look at that. That's a kind of a newer picture that, that comes during the uh, Hags. Well, an old Hollywood, new Hollywood collision. Yeah. Yeah, kind of a, I, I, as I understand it, kind of a hagsploitation version of Sunset Boulevard, which I guess in itself was the original hagsploitation film. So I have uh, intense memories of that uh, picture, uh, Hollywood Horror House. I, I saw it under 
under a different title as soon as I do a little bit of cheat sheet in here. <laughs> Savage Intruder. Savage, Savage Intruder. Intruder. Yeah. Okay. A film that was never technically released. Uh, one of those films that, that doesn't released it it instead it escapes <laughs> we haven't seen i had known i had known of it uh by not much of a reputation just by gosh here's a picture that needs checking out one of these days and it showed up in a uh, one of those elaborate big box video cassette editions hmm. uh, at my office a newspaper office during the 90s as a review copy well, now this is one to watch. And I said, whoa, this thing is uh, kind of disgusting. <laughs> is it? <laughs> Oops. It's, it's, an, it's an interesting, it's an, not, 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 in the, not in the sense of a gore film uh, per se, but it's, uh, but it's the kind of thing that's like, well, there goes the career if it wasn't already gone. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, uh, with that wow. note, we will end it for, for uh, this podcast, for Forgotten Horrors Podcast. Please check out our Forgotten Horrors Podcast Facebook page. And uh, I'm John Woolley. That's Michael Price and, uh, and Joey Hambrick. And we'll be back before you know it. Thanks, fellas. Thank you. Mighty fun.